This Balcones Distilling on Old Fashioned Football on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Play Underdog's pick them for a chance to win 100 times. Promo code OFFSGPN at underdogfantasy.com for a 100% deposit match. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, a sports betting research platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit HOFBets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. We're also brought to you by the NASCAR Gambling Podcast. Enter their free Daytona 500 contest for a chance to win $100 cash and a $100 SGPN gift card at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Daytona. Hey, what's up? This is Sam Acho, and you're listening to Old Fashioned Football. Old Fashioned Football. Welcome, welcome to Old Fashioned Football. If you're wondering who you listen to, this is J Mark. You can find me on the X at J Mark Football. And if you're wondering who us is, that's at Old Fashioned FB. And speaking of us, before I keep going, I got to bring in my co-host on the pod and in life. You can find her at on the X at the Mer Mark Mer. How you doing today? Doing great. I'm really pumped for this episode. It's going to be a fun one. Absolutely. Should we jump right into it? You know it. Let's just do it. Let's do it. Okay, everybody, we uh, we have a distillery from Texas, which is our first Texas distillery, and we have a special guest, Alex, the brand educator of Balcones. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, I didn't realize that uh, we, uh, Balcones, is your first Texas distillery to feature? Yeah. Yes. Yep, yes, it, it is. is. Cool. You snuck that one in there. I like it. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> And uh, when you think Texas, a lot of people think football, Friday Night Lights and all that. But uh, we talked a little bit beforehand. You're actually more of a hockey fan. Is that right? Yeah. And it's it's funny that um, we specifically start kind of with that because I was talking um, last week where the uh, Whiskey Magazine Icons of Whiskey Awards, they're, mm-hmm. they were in, uh, in Louisville, downtown Louisville. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was talking to someone about this topic. And yeah, it's naturally like, oh, football. Um, mm-hmm. Did you play? Who do you root for? Um, who's your favorite player? That kind of thing. And, and being from Texas, uh, I'm from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so being from Texas, it's all very familiar to me, but sure. uh, it led me to talk about hockey. So this is my very long-winded answer to, to <laughs> tell you exactly why you're asking. Uh, and that's because I'm not a very, I'm only 5'10", you know, and I feel like okay. to be football, <laughs> you, know, you have to be much bigger than that. And uh, you sure. certainly have to be fast and and uh strong you know i don't know those things so i was very intimidated by the idea of football um and i was i was not going to try out for for that team had friends playing uh but um and and maybe maybe like where y'all are from there are a lot of local uh roller rinks you know skating rinks and so Mm -hmm. did that uh throughout summers and for fun and quickly became uh a huge fan of skating. 
And so I, I knew I knew there's skate. And then mm-hmm. some of my friends, you know, that played like baseball and then, you know, hockey or soccer were like, man, you know how to skate. Like you've won a couple of the local skating, you know, fastest skater things. Come play hockey. And like, Oh, man, I've never done it, but I, I want to play a sport. So I started yeah. playing at a really young age and have still played um, to, to this day. I, you know, I play like beer league, you know, if it was what they yeah. call it. <laughs> sure. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. It's a roundabout way to say I do like sports. I do like competition. <laughs> it's just, I was really intimidated by uh, the big guys that hit hard instead of <laughs> play hockey. So. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've seen some hard hits in hockey too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Th- there are. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I assume you're a, a Dallas stars fan. Is that correct? Yeah. Big Dallas stars fan. Uh, they're playing tonight, uh, actually, against oh. the the Hurricanes. Nice. Um, yeah, so I, I do follow the Stars very close. Mm-hmm. But obviously, growing up, born and raised in the Dallas area, it, you know, there's always that, you know, the Jones family, the the <laughs> big star is just looming over the Metroplex. So um, it, you can't really escape the Cowboys, whether it's good or bad. You can't escape yeah. it. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of hardcore fans there for sure. Um, I love hockey though. I, I don't get to watch it as much as I would like to. For um, a while, you were. I was big into yeah, yeah watching the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. That was my team. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, but I've never played. In fact, I've never even skated. You've wanted to get me out skating. Yeah. Um, and I'm so injury prone. I'm sure I would break an ankle. <laughs> it does scare me. <laughs> yeah. He has been injured every single year for the last six years. Yeah. Every single Always like so. something major to where like you can't just go do normal <laughs> stuff around here. Like, so yeah, I, I want to keep you off the ice. Yeah. It'd be bad. I, I was I was gonna say start with ice because I actually think ice is easier. To learn to really? skate on and roller, but never mind. Don't you <laughs> just, just... no. Something bad will happen. It will end horribly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just work no. on like calisthenics and stretching to stay in shape. <laughs> there don't, you go. Don't, don't hurt yourself. That, that's right? the response. Don't yeah. hurt yourself. Yeah. Yes. Well, before we, well, I actually know before we talk whiskey. Yeah. You did mention yeah. you watched the Super Bowl. I did. Before the show. Yeah. What did you think of it? What, were you rooting for a specific team um, when you to watch it? So, okay, I'm, I'm going to throw it. I'll throw it right back to you. So I was rooting for a specific team, and I would like for mm-hmm. you to guess. Who was I rooting for? I'm going to mm-hmm. guess Kansas City. The 49ers. I'm going to go the 49ers. Are you? Yeah. I'm just saying KC because it's a little bit closer. I but. know. but <laughs> Okay, so I was rooting for the Chiefs. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and in my 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 connection that hel- I think helps me that you know again because I do like competition I like mm-hmm. seeing uh, theoretically right like the the top of the top competing um, but Patrick Mahomes is you know from an hour and a half east of here yeah uh, and he went to Texas Tech right and yeah. set a lot of records um, so he's a Texas boy he likes to talk about Texas he he comes to stars games and Rangers games you know here up here in the North Texas area so that mm-hmm. that's my connective tissue there um I do have a hand a couple friends that are from Casey um whereas yeah 49ers and and Dallas Cowboys don't really mix well I do have mm-hmm. actually extended family from the California area specifically San Fran but um 
yeah, it's it's kind of like the Patrick Mahomes. I think he's he's an interesting character. So I was rooting for them, and I did watch. Yeah, yeah I did watch. Yeah, yeah, he's um as not a Chiefs fan. He is amazing to watch, and as a Bears fan, who's reminded constantly that the Bears could have drafted him we and could passed. Have. Um, <laughs> yeah, did y'all pass on him? Yeah, we drafted yeah. Mitch Trubisky, who just got cut oh. from the Steelers today. <laughs> I didn't notice. So, yeah. Full circle. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if Mahomes would have done as well as he's doing with the Bears. I don't think the Bears organization would have known how to support him. Yeah, I don't think that we we do a good job with our quarterbacks. (laughs) I I think that that's a great way to look at it for better or worse, right? I mean, he Mm -hmm. is a very unique, right, coming from kind of the world of like the Lamar Jacksons. And, you know, you could think back to like Michael Vick and these kind of these extremely athletic and nimble and, and non pocket passers to, to mm-hmm. some degree, you can, you can see maybe that the bears structure, you know, some of these old school, you know, kind of systems yeah. wouldn't yeah. have accepted him. Maybe, I mean, I don't know, maybe he is an elite talent, right? The three MVPs, mm-hmm. three Super Bowls in five years. Um, I, maybe he could go anywhere, uh, but yeah, it does seem like he found like a really niche area to, to excel um mm-hmm. yeah for sure which yes good, yeah good for them good for them yeah <laughs> all right we'll get right back to talking to alex in a minute here but first i gotta let you know about the daytona 500 contest rev up those engines nascar is back check out the nascar gambling podcast with rod via gomez and cody zeeb They've got you covered for all things NASCAR and racing, and plus they're just fun to listen to. From trucks to cup, IndyCar to F1, this show gives you the drivers to watch and the most profitable picks for the weekend of racing. I should know I've made money off their picks. Enter their free Daytona 500 contest for a chance to win $100 SGPN gift card and $100 cash. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Daytona. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Daytona. Underdog Fantasy has a way to play alongside your favorite fantasy players all season long, NBA, NHL, and college basketball. Simply pick higher or lower on your favorite players' fantasy stats and cash in. You can win 100 times with some spicy plays. Plus, now is a great time to start your best ball drafts on Underdog Fantasy. Watch along, make your picks, and maybe make a little cash over on Underdog Fantasy's mobile app or website, underdogfantasy.com. And use the promo code OFFSGPN. Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code OFFSGPN. So, enough. We can, we can pause with the pause on football. With the football. <laughs> and before we talk about like Balcones specifically, what led you to the career you're in right now? Oh, man. That's a good, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> So I was, I was born into the industry. Um, my dad still works in this industry drinks, uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, he's worked for a, a beer distributor in the Dallas area for almost 30 years. And, uh, before that he worked for a different beer distributor. So altogether he's, that's all he's done basically his, his adult life. Uh, mm-hmm. and then my mom, uh, when she was pregnant with me, she helped manage, a small chain of spirit liquor stores in the North Texas area. Um, and so really it's kind of the funny thing to say is that it's like part of my heritage uh, because I was born into the industry. Um, but really I think kind of like the, the idea of creativity and hospitality, that world 
was always attractive to me from from my roots. Um, I actually went to college for uh, drawing and painting. So oh, the nice. the idea of wanting to create something out of nothing for people to enjoy or share or debate, um, you know, there's, there's some synergy between the idea of then wanting to make whiskey and share whiskey. So mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of like a very roundabout way of saying I'm using like a creative degree in order to create and help with storytelling, uh, think, things of that nature. But um, yeah, it's kind of a very roundabout way of getting back full circle that I was kind of born into the industry in some way. Nice. Very cool. And what is, um, and I think we're going to pour the bourbon here, but while we do, can you tell us kind of what the role of the the brand educator is? Like what all does your role involve uh, with the distillery and then the product itself? No, that's a good question. Um, It's, well, I'm wearing one hat, but my role really encompasses a lot of different hats. Uh, Mm -hmm. Historically, I was one of the very first sales hires uh, almost eight years ago when the distillery was expanding uh, and expanding size, production scale, and then personnel. Uh, And so I I had actually worked for a beer distributor in the craft beer world and loved it. Um, But uh, our distillery manager called me one day and I knew him. We were friends. I was familiar with Balcona's the liquid. I was a a fan. Um, Mm -hmm. At the time, Balcona's was the only whiskey on the market that was made in Texas. Uh, oh, wow. So I was familiar with it, uh, but I was like, oh, I'm happy with what I'm doing. Um, and it was like, well, you, you could have a future here. And that future is kind of like a, a uncharted territory. So I started with, in the world of sales uh, and did a stint there, if you will, uh, and then helped to start our single barrel program. And, uh, and then after a couple of years, rolled off into the uh, more digestible title of national brand ambassador. Uh, and so... <laughs> my title has changed a lot, but it's because I've held so many different roles. It's kind of like find a need, you know, fill the need uh, when you're growing at an exponential rate, like Balcones has over the last 15 years. So it's now only stabilizing over the last year um, to something that's now more on the marketing side, which is not a bad thing. Again, it goes back to like the creative storytelling. So I work closely with our head distiller, Jared, who's also our founder. And then Gabe, who, um, he's our spirits manager. So he oversees teams that are working on blending distillation and warehouse, um, and kind of flavor development. And so the three of us kind of make up a, a bit of a creative, um, group that mm-hmm. then can help ideate, create, and then do storytelling in a couple different ways. So nice. that's, that's the most concise way I can kind of bring it together. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's really cool. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Um, so we're we're gonna do something I guess we haven't done when we before, or at yeah. least in this way, when we've brought um a distillery onto the show. We're gonna sample like as we go. Yeah. Are you good yeah. with that? Instead of sure. just yeah. saving it all for the end. Um no, so yeah. what did you do like before? It. So I just poured the pot still bourbon. Okay, and we have yeah. not we have not had this one. No, because our first, the bottle that was brought to us was the rye. The rye, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we were fortunate enough to be, because we, we couldn't find it around <laughs> us, but we were fortunate enough to be over in the Omaha, Nebraska area this past weekend. And we found a couple bo- different bottles yes. of the Balcones. We actually found a lot. We just couldn't bring them all yeah, home. Well, this is true. <laughs> there, there was a good variety yes. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that's 
that's really cool. Iowa, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you probably know this, uh, but Iowa is a tough state when it comes to the world of distribution. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we've, uh, yeah, we've had to kind of pick and choose our battles and, uh, Nebraska, yeah, is, is one of the ones that's, um, and, and actually, yeah, you mentioned Blackhawks earlier, but Illinois, I guess you mentioned the bears mm-hmm. as well. So, um, yeah. Illinois, they're, they're much more, uh, open-minded <laughs> than states, <laughs> uh, that are control states and franchise states. So Nebraska, yeah. you can find our whiskey, um, and in Illinois in it as well. So, yeah. It's a good shout, right. but yeah, Potzel bourbon. So the unique thing about this is you, you have to kind of know a little bit more about Balcones in general. And so the funny thing is, is most people probably wouldn't, or maybe they would assume we're an American distillery. Of course, you're going to make bourbon. Uh, and to some degree that's, that's very spot on, but we, we started our distillery 15 years ago with the idea of wanting to make single malt exclusively. Uh, but while we were waiting on some of that equipment to come in, because uh, it was all very much uh, DIY uh, in 2008, 2009, um, we, it was kind of like we'd be remiss if we wouldn't kind of dabble with the idea of uh, bourbons. And so mm-hmm. we did really, really, really tiny runs of um, blue corn bourbon, a weeded bourbon. And we kind of just – we periodically over the last 12 or so years, we would release them in just little bitty small waves and moments um, while again, trying to hone the craft of American single malt. So we're, we are one of the drivers and leaders of the world of single malt, but we do make American whiskeys as well. We have two mm-hmm. different parallel lines of production uh, that recenter back on the world of copper pot distillation. So mm-hmm. we, we kind of have to uh, preface by saying, yes, we do make a bourbon, a rye, a corn whiskey, which are very much American whiskeys, right? And we're mm-hmm. we're proud of those things, but our bread and butter and really what we're most known for are our single malts. So with that being said, specifically Potzel bourbon, we found ourselves realizing um, that we, we were stepping back and doing some kind of internal work, which is really difficult to do both financially, philosophically, and emotionally, and realize that our whiskeys... Um, not because we're trying to make a ton of money. We're actually really bad at that. We, we, most of our whiskeys are relatively affordable, uh, yeah. but we realize that our whiskeys are still very expensive. Um, our single malts get up into the 69, 79 and $89. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most of our whiskeys are, are very expensive and that's not lost on us. And so we decided we were, we were like, Hey, maybe we can make something that was a little bit more price conscious, a little bit more consumer friendly. And we took, three different bourbon mash bills that we were making and maturing. Mm-hmm. And then we blended them together on the blending table because all, we blend cask to cask. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just like select all and then someone dumps it all. And then a whiskey mm-hmm. is made. Um, we actually do a much more meticulous blending process of uh, nosing and tasting individual casks and bringing them together, bench top blending. But we took a blue corn bourbon, hundred percent blue corn, a weeded bourbon, so predominantly blue corn, uh, but we mm-hmm. use Texas wheat um, in there, nice soft profile, uh, and then uh, actually a high rye bourbon. So you mentioned you've you've tried the rye before, so a yeah. little bit of that rye is the same rye that would then go into our high rye bourbon mash bill. So again, three different bourbons that are mm-hmm. made on copper pot stills. So big, thick, dense, rich, oily spirits that we're then blending together at the very end, but then we're just like, you know, we're gonna throw it out there for you know around 30 bucks is usually mm-hmm. where you can find it. Um, sometimes, you know, a little bit higher. It just kind of depends. Um, but it really is the idea of a Texas bourbon 
made through the lens of a single malt producer. So it's not going to taste like Kentucky. It's not meant to be Kentucky bourbon. Uh, We would actually say, you know, I mean, look, I've got, we would actually say, go drink Kentucky bourbon if you want Kentucky bourbon. Um, (laughs) So um, we, we understand it's not going to be like everybody's bourbon, but I think it's, it's really fun. It's, it's chewy. There's a density to it because we don't do chill filtration, but it is more on the savory side than it is going to be, um, like a big, bright maraschino cherry. And, you know, sometimes, you know, people say with Jack, you get the, the runs banana, uh, things like that, which are lovely, fun fruit qualities with this. I think it's a little bit more like a, a stewed, uh, apple, maybe a little bit of apricot, but, uh, like cobbler, there's a breadiness, a graininess to it. Um, but that new American Oak still does punch through. There's lots of sweetness. There's a yeah. little bit of a tannic kind of envelope, uh, to it. But it's definitely not Kentucky bourbon. It's Texas bourbon. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you said the apple because is that what you're? It, that is, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of that almost like like you said, stewed or baked kind of richer mm-hmm. apple taste. Um, it's always when you taste them, it's like, especially when you're tasting with somebody from the company. You know, everybody tastes something different, and it's like, yeah. man, I don't want to throw something out that's <laughs> way off base. Um, no. But yeah, I was getting like the apple with the oak. That's kind of what I was yeah. picking up with it. Yeah. And the, the, these are, again, this, in this whiskey is not, uh, too terribly high proof. Um, mm-hmm. it's a little, it's a little bit, um, lower ABV 46%, yeah. if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's drinkable, but it's not at the, you know, it's not at the basement of the 40% like you see with some big producers. Um, and so there's still a little bit of gumption. It takes well to a little bit of water. Um, but it's meant to be a little bit softer, but it, it's hard to get around, uh, the, that helpful, big booming supporting cast of American Oak. So it's, it's yeah. definitely present, um, within the, the yeah. whole, the whole experience there, but as, as it opens up a little bit more, whether you just, you know, pour it neat for yourself, or if you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, add a little water, put it on the rocks, it, it will continue to develop into something else over time as it, um, you know, as it evaporates in the glass and, and opens up. Very cool. It's very good. Yeah, it is very good. I I haven't tried the the rye in a long time, but um, I remember when we tried the rye on our show because we mm-hmm. we just had it as one of our every week we review another like a new whiskey mm-hmm. um, at some point in our show, and the rye was one of them, and it was very different from yeah other rye, and like I get that, and it's yeah. good. It's like yeah. it's a very pleasant like. I, yeah, something different. Not you know to bury I mean? the lead since we're going to taste it, but I love the rye. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, me too. <laughs> I, 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 and I'm usually. The bourbon is also very good. The bourbon is also very good. And I'm usually a, like, if I have a choice, I usually reach for bourbon, but yeah. I love, I love the rye. And we'll get to that and, and some of the stuff. Well, and like you said, we did it on the show, some of the stuff I pick up from it. And I, I do get hints of that because, like, in the rye, I, I did get like a, a nice, really nice tobacco taste. And I'm Ooh. getting just a tiny bit of that with this. Um, and sure. I don't know if it's because I'm salivating thinking about the rye. <laughs> yeah. so I'm thinking it, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, I, I uh, because I knew about the, the rye conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you won't offend me if you pour out what you have so that we, if you wanted to jump to it, um, because there was something else that we could talk about, but I'm not going to show it just yet until we pour rye. Um <laughs> Because it's a, it, it's a new version, and so oh, this is okay. yeah, that 
well, we, we can talk came prepared. about. We came yeah, prepared. we came we got, prepared. Uh, we're we not dumping glasses. any of this out. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> no, if anything, if anything, if you haven't, uh, what we tend to do a lot of times at the distillery is um, we will, we'll, I mean, we will, in the blending, uh, in our blending room, we will pour back into the bottle, assuming um, in that setting, it's it's all for very much sensory base. And so we will pour in Glencairn's, um, but then we know nobody's adding anything to them. So we'll pour them back into the glass. We certainly won't dump it out um, yeah. down the drain um, or anything, but yeah. We'll get right back to our fun interview with Alex with Balcones Distillery in just a moment. But, but first, I've got to let you know about Hall of Fame bets. You can win bigger by betting smarter this NBA season with Hall of Fame bets, the sports betting analytics platform for parlays, player props, and game lines. Research every NBA and soccer bet with historical stats and data. You can enter any parlay idea into the Hall of Fame Bet's revolutionary parlay optimizer tool to get hit rates broken down by leg, as well as an expected probability for the entire parlay. Sort all players by hit rate for any bet to work. <clears throat> For any bet to learn which players are hot and which picks have value. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets app to craft with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. Um, what, so if, if you're pouring rye next I while you're doing that, I wanted to ask, did, did y'all have a, a favorite bourbon, whether it's like a collective, it's your favorite or individuals? I'm, I'm always curious. It's kind of a loaded question. It is. Uh, <laughs> that's how I always answer that. Because since we run the uh, the pod, everybody mm-hmm. always asks that. And yeah. we've tried so many different ones. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's really a loaded question on kind of the mood um, that, that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and it changes. Yours recently changed to the... The whistle pick, or oh, that's rye, isn't it? Never mind, that's rye. Yeah, is that a rye? The, yeah, the, the alpha, alpha one Romeo version of whistle pick. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. one. Yeah, yeah. That one is. I just. It's just very. It's different. Very yeah. different. I tend to like very different <laughs> when we're trying um, things. Yeah. So for, uh, let's see, for like just a a real cheap one that I always have on oh, hand. Yeah. Um, I. I love Evan Williams bottle and bond. It's nothing oh. special. It's yeah. very cheap. I mean, I can get a handle of it for 40 bucks, but I, I, I really like the flavor yeah. of it for something that's like a kind of an everyday drinker. And yeah. I've blind tested him before with different bourbons and he's been able to tell me which one out of like five that's, is the Evan Williams. That's the one I can always pick out. I'm like, Oh, I know my, so you my do, you like bond. that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's fun. That the, you, you've, 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 you've you've basically gone on like a sensory journey where you can, yeah. you've been able to pick out the nuances, which that alone I think is, that's a sign of a willingness to explore, right? Mm-hmm. Flavor, which at the end of the day, I think is what most of us love is that obviously there's stories attached to it. If you've been to a, a big distillery and you had such a great time, there's probably, mm-hmm. you know, uh, memories associated with that. Uh, but right. Yeah. Flavor profile, right. It, it is subjective. There's some objective qualities but subjective and but it's so that's why what's so fun about it is mm-hmm. you need to explore and uh find that yeah forty dollars for a handle i can enjoy it and yeah. you know whether it's football or just uh watching a movie at night whatever it's that's yeah, great i love it yeah it's fun mm-hmm. yeah um yeah. 
I I will say there's not many that I don't like. I can find a, something that I like about almost all whiskeys. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it is just like I try one and I'm like, hey, this would be good in a mixed drink uh, or an sure. old fashioned because it would stand out. Um, there are some that like we try them and it's like on their own, not so much for me, but they're good in a mixed drink because they're going to stand out, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when we started the pod, your favorite was. Yeah, it was. Um... I still like it. It's been a while since I've gone back to it because we've we've just tried so many. I love doing this podcast yeah. because we get to meet all kinds of distillers. We get to try different whiskeys. Um, but I, when we started, my favorite was Jefferson's Ocean. Wow, Oceans <laughs> Aged at yeah. Sea, and it was a specific voyage though. It voyage twenty three. Um, I don't remember what the exact voyage log was, but we have tried a couple other voyages and they are different. Mm -hmm. It does make a difference wherever that ship goes. And, um, the whole concept of that was kind of interesting to me too, because the, the bourbon isn't stagnant. Like it's not sitting still, it's in constant motion. So, um, at first we kind of wondered if that was like a gimmick <laughs> but it does make a difference because i honestly wasn't sold on it we tried I, different voyages and yeah. they don't they do they all have a different flavor profile yeah. um yeah, it's cool do you feel like you like- pick up any sort of like salinity minerality to them or and if you, if you don't that's totally okay i was just curious i I, I for me I don't know if it's a in my head thing, but I do remember specifically when we tasted of, it, we're like it almost tastes like a, a little saltiness, like uh, yeah, salt, yeah. like you know when you're at the ocean and you breathe in and you mm-hmm. can taste yeah, the salt. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Just a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I like I like the willingness for for people to experiment, and mm-hmm. especially when producers are willing to do something that maybe it is feeling a little gimmicky, but it. Mm-hmm it's a willingness to try something and stick to it and see it out, mm-hmm. see it through. It's not just a one and done concept. Um, yeah. So I actually respect them for committing to it. Uh, that, that series over and over. Mm-hmm. All right. I got yes. our rye port here, which, Oh, the, the smell. It, it is the taste. a it's... tobacco. <laughs> like... Yeah. You, tobacco. So leather. Leather. on the bottle, on the bottle, if you look on the back, uh, so a little, a little bit of education. I don't know if this will, this will show up here um, because of my light. But on the back, there will usually uh, there will be a batch code. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will have the bottling date, uh, and then it'll say something like, "This is this is one of our single malts that I'm holding." Um, okay. But this says Texas one single malt T one SM, uh, and then twenty two dash two. So y'all will say something different, but that's actually. Yeah. Uh, what that is, is this means this was batch two, or it was the second blend of the year uh, that okay. was bottled in 2022. And then it was the date for this was May 1st, 2023. So you can kind of read, um, kind of read our bottles by batches on the back. Mm-hmm. And so okay. I'm curious, what year is that, that you have? Uh, no, this is oh. the date is March oh, 22nd, 2022. And the batch is Rye 121-20. 21-2. 21-2. So, yeah, it was the yes, second batch point. of 21, 2021. But it but it says it was bottled yeah. Yeah. in March so it of 2022. Is, so it was right. That yeah. is 21. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, I'm curious. Um, mm-hmm. So, w- let yeah, let's talk about that because that is that is a weird rye. 
Um, maybe the bourbon story was already kind of bizarre, but um, the rye is is equally, if not more bizarre. Um, and you mentioned tobacco notes, which I think is really, really cool. Um, so when we set out to produce a rye, we were drinking a lot of rye. And the idea was that we wanted to add to the category and not just mimic or copy what other producers are doing. Um, mm-hmm. Mostly because we were just like, ah, that's boring. There are, again, once again, there are other really great ryes on the market. Um, where can we where can we think a little bit uh, differently? And with that, we we found a, uh, a farmer and a company in Texas that was was helping uh, take a cover crop called Elbon Rye, and nobody was really using it. And so we we're like, oh, that's interesting. There's actually a rye that's growing here. Uh, we didn't know that. So the mash bill of that uh, specific bottling is roughly eighty to eighty five percent of that raw rye from Texas. Okay. So okay. that rye is actually going to be a little bit more like fennel frond versus mm-hmm. like uh, dill that you get with a lot of Kentucky and Indiana rye. Mm-hmm. So if you think about flavors there, but then the other 15 to 17%. So I'm using kind of wonky numbers because again, we're blending batch to batch barrel sure. to barrel. So the, these, mm-hmm. these differences will, will vary. So we'll use round numbers and say 85 raw rye, 15%, the rest of the rye, uh, are German rye varietals uh, that are roasted, crystal, and chocolate rye, mm-hmm. uh, and so they're heavily toasted, heavily roasted, like you would think coffee. Um, okay. So especially the chocolate rye is going to sometimes bring out some of the the espresso kind of tobacco, mm-hmm. more leathery notes that gives you that mm-hmm. kind of that earthiness mm-hmm. that supports some of the fruit uh, and like the fennel quality that you get with the raw rye. Um, and so it doesn't quite balance it. It is pretty heavy handed with the, the kind of the chocolate and mm-hmm. toasted caramel quality, um, mm-hmm. which leads me to a, something we'll talk about in a second, but does that, does that make, does that make sense as to why, I don't know if you knew what the mash bill was before that clearly. And so I'm curious if that no. changes <laughs> anything, uh, about how you, you perceive it. Yeah. Um, so for me, the kind of the explanation you gave is, is great explanation on why when I try this, it's not, I mean, a lot of times you drink a rye and you're like, oh yeah, that's a rye. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. this one, you you don't get that right away, but in a good way, like it really stands out and stands mm-hmm. up kind of on its own. Like, even though it is a rye, I would almost categorize this different because there's so many different flavors I get from it. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's a very complicated rye. Yeah. Yeah. It's very complex. Mm -hmm. Um, and and yeah. And when I first tried it, I I think I was explaining it to my, my dad because he really likes whiskey. And I said, there's almost like a leather taste to it. And he's like leather. And I said, no, but in a really good way, way. like Like leathery tobacco, like, yeah. Um, even like some of that, uh, burnt chocolate kind of like chocolate. Now that you mentioned like the chocolate, I, that is what is. That's, that's what, what I get. couldn't place. Mm-hmm. Like I can get that, but there is that. It's yeah. there. Yeah, I don't know. It is, it is super yeah. complex, and I think that's why I like it because um, I like I like something that's different than everything else. You know, it's not the same as any bottle of rye you can pick up. It's it's way sure. different, and I yeah. really like that about it. We we built it uh, similar to an imperial stout beer mash bill. Again, yeah. clarification. This is not a beer recipe, but it was built like it. It has not been hopped, um, mm-hmm. but it's kind of built along that lines of some malted, unmalted rise in there. Um, but we just thought it added a, a level of complexity to the 
to the mash bill to a little mm-hmm. bit of the storytelling there. And um, yeah, we kind of like it. Uh, we liked it enough to keep it around for a few years. Um, mm-hmm. And then again, we'll talk, we should at some point in a second, we should talk about uh, something else that I have here. Um, but I guess I did want to touch on, this is of course, aged in new American Oak. Mm-hmm. Um, same with the bourbon, new American Oak as well. Uh, but our casks, uh, our maturation, um, system is a little bit different than some other producers. We aren't aging in 53 gallon barrels, which is industry standard. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with that, but we are working with our Cooperage, uh, out of Missouri and they're technically in Missouri and in uh, Kentucky called mm-hmm. ISC. Uh, a lot of the large producers use them as well, but mostly use their bourbon cooperage. We actually use their wine cooperage uh, and oh, not because there was wine in these barrels, but because mm-hmm. there's a lot more versatility. There's a lot more um, craftsmanship for, for lack of a better term that goes in into the production of these casks. But basically the wine industry has much more strict rules and uh, a lot more variability to what they want to do and what they can do. So ISC mm-hmm. has their world cooperage, their wine cooperage. And what, what does that mean for us? Right. These barrels are 60 gallons, so they're bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other big di- differentiators is that in the world of bourbon production, a lot of times they need barrels really fast. Uh, and so they don't yard age them very long, maybe 12 months uh, if, if they push the envelope. Um, mm-hmm. We're at least three years. And what that is, right, is after they cut the tree down, they cut it into rough hewn logs closer to stave size, and then they sit them out into an open field, essentially. Mm-hmm. for months after months. And what that does is actually uh, leaches out tannin and there's a natural degradation process that happens over time after many sun, you know, summers, heavy sun, heavy rain, snow. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a breakdown of hemicellulose that then produces other congeners that are then stripped away whenever you add a whiskey, a solvent. Um, a lot okay. of times that'll bring wood sugars, you know, out of the cask. And so after, after they're turned into barrels, we are not only have uh, a charring process, it's about a medium three. Uh, we <laughs> do a long, slow and low uh, toasting process. So it's going to bring all that to the surface. And so as, as that solvent, right, that new make spirit is enveloped in the cask, uh, it's going to draw deeper into the pores because of our climate. We don't temperature control. And so it's going to penetrate deep into the oak and then force back out. And you're going to have this wonderful marriage of flavors. Uh, the byproduct is that it's at somewhat of a more rapid rate than you would see in Kentucky and certainly than Scotland. Um, and so our program is, is quite wide and diverse because of that. We have many toast profiles, many proprietary toast, uh, toast and char profiles um, that kind of paint this or allow us to have many different colors of the rainbow, if you will, to then paint a picture <laughs> that you see in the glass. Um, wow. So it's a very long winded maturation mm-hmm. story, yeah, but the really are very yeah. yeah. And yeah. you mentioned climate in there and the Texas climate is something I was going to ask you about. Um, like how does the climate in Texas influence um, mm-hmm. the, the whiskey more differently than I guess like a Kentucky or Tennessee whiskey? Yeah. It's a good question. So that was one of the things that early on, again, I've only been with the the distillery for coming up on uh, seven and a half years. The distillery has been around for 15, 
But really mm-hmm. early on, and this was one of the things that was very attractive to me about the brand of Balcones and the whiskey, uh, but was the idea that if we're going to make Texas whiskey, we should embrace uh, or at least partner with one of the most volatile things about Texas, right? Yes, I would say most people think Texas, they do think of football, um, yeah. but it's the climate, right? We do have tornadoes. Mm-hmm. We do have hot. We do have cold. We do have sometimes extreme hot and extreme cold, right? It does mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. snow. Um, and usually the whole world shuts down if it you know gets <laughs> below 32 degrees, which I know is, yeah. is lost on the people in the Midwest. We're like, that's a normal, <laughs> that's a normal, you know, fall day. But right. yeah. We, we see on average um, a 30 degree temperature swing from the morning and the evening. Um, on average, we see a greater swing uh, than any other part of the country. And it's pretty crazy. And really, what, what, what does that look like practically is that our spirit is evaporating at a much, rapid, much more rapid rate than any other part of the country. And so we, we've done some climate experiments and we're actually going to start unveiling what we've learned about some maturation experiments across the globe where we produced our whiskey put them in the same barrels and then sent them all over the world for four years, Scotland, Seattle, Texas, New York, um, all over the world. But we leading into that, we already knew in Scotland, they see about 1% evaporation Uh, in Kentucky, maybe five to seven in Texas. uh, It's 10 to 15%. Um, Sometimes it's higher than that. And and so again, what that's doing is we're rapidly reducing and concentrating flavors and mm-hmm. so that's also why we need really, uh, really high quality casks is rooting back into something where we wanted to root ourselves in, in the time and the place that we're in. And that is Texas. We didn't mm-hmm. want a temperature control. We know people do experiment with that and that's okay. Um, but we ask ourselves, you know, how can we actually partner with the climate rather than have ourselves too involved? Because mm-hmm. then it, to us, it's like, is that, a, is that Texas whiskey? You know, I, I don't know. So very cool. Yeah. One of our listeners who he's in Tennessee, um, as soon as we kind of promoted that we're going to have Balcones on. And that was the first thing he reached out and said, like, can you ask about the climate? Because he was very fascinated at how Mm -hmm. it's different based on, you know, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, those Mm -hmm. places that are more of the Midwest climate. So that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of speaking of the science, you I feel like from reading the website, you guys have really dove into the science of the whiskey and the making of the whiskey. And and every distiller and distillery kind of has different science behind what they think makes it different or makes it unique. Um, but I was reading on the website about the the fermentation techniques that have been created kind of for your recipes. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about like the focus that's been put on fermentation? Yeah, we that's another area. Uh you know, if you kind of think of a few pillars of um, of Balcones, that would be one of them. And ironically enough, it's one that we haven't over-engineered uh, is at least our idea, our mentality, is that we're actually actively trying to find areas to, in some ways, remove ourselves as humans from the picture and allow the seemingly inanimate uh, to flourish. And so we, this is the long winded answer. Today. We have a, uh, uh, an extended fermentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the industry is going to use, uh, the two to three days to maximize alcohol production efficiency, which is totally okay. 
but we actually read some papers by Beam, Beam Centauri that they public they they made public uh, maybe in the early two thousands, um, where they were doing um, some dual pitch yeast strains um, and long, bringing back the idea of extended fermentation. Uh, and and so to kind of step back a little bit. A lot of times producers are looking just to maximize alcohol efficiency and that's okay. They want to produce as much alcohol quickly um, in fermentation and then move on to distillation. And ultimately in order to get into a barrel, right? Cause then the clock starts, mm-hmm. right? These sure. have marketing demands, sales demands, and, and that makes sense. But really one of the other pillars is that we've always been rooted in searching for flavor and optimizing flavor, whether it's through the grain, whether it's through fermentation, distillation and blending methods, um, and so we, we, the, the big thing is that we have an extended fermentation that goes beyond three days and that's up to seven days. Uh, the unique thing that happens is after three days, we actually allow for the local microflora, you know, there's, there's yeast on everything, right? You could propagate mm-hmm. yeast off your skin, out of your hair, um, off all the silly stuff behind me. Um, <laughs> there's yeast everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so we allow that secondary wave of fermentation to take place. And that, that has a really intense souring effect. Lactobacillus is what it's called. And so okay. those, that strain of yeast is going to land and that's essentially, they're like uh zombies. They're just going to eat everything that's remaining after mm-hmm. the initial fermentation. And we're going to have a really intense souring effect where when it comes off fermentation, <clears throat> after that six day, six into day seven and rolling into, I guess, then day eight, um, it's going to taste like a sour beer. It's very, very, very sour. And we're seeing that those sour compounds are precursors to some really big, juicy fruits that are really hard to capture um, mm-hmm. unless you allow for long fermentations. So wow. that's, again, it's another area where we're shepherding this process along. This is not us creating alcohol, right? We're pitching yeast. The yeast is waking up in this environment going, oh my gosh, look at all this food is consuming <laughs> the sugar that we helped unlock. Um, but it's consuming the sugar and it's producing mm-hmm. CO2, heat and alcohol. And and obviously the alcohol is the part that we need the most. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Of. Um, when we get rid of that, we're drawing ambient air across it for four to five days. And that's inoculating it with the local microflora. So there's a bit of a house funk that you can only find uh, there in Waco, which again is halfway between Dallas and Austin is where we're at. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. That's, the, that's the, again, that's the long winded. Uh, <laughs> no, that's really interesting. Yeah, that Perfect. is. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, so on, on this ride, you're drinking what's called Texas Rye 100, right? Which we launched mm-hmm. in 2018. Uh and we we we've launched a new version of that okay. so it's only starting to trickle out now mm-hmm. i'll show you what it looks like hopefully this hopefully this stops and you can kind of see so it is still oh, yeah. green the mm-hmm. label's still green. uh but there, there's a specific thing that we can we can talk about that you can kind of see here now bottled and bond oh yeah bottled and bond so this, this, just like the bottle you have is, is 50%, right? That's one mm-hmm. of the, the base minimums. Um, but if you look on the back of that bottle, um, mm-hmm. somewhere near the UPC, the bottle you have, it'll, it'll have a little bit of an age statement. So again, this is a little bit of education for um, maybe for y'all, but for anybody else that has picked up or seen a lot of times you can actually see, right? So we don't have like a giant four or a six or a 10, mm-hmm. you know, in like Scotland, but on the back of our bottles near the UPC, 
there's usually it'll say something in months. So does yours say 16 or does it say 24? 24. 24. Okay. So, right. 24 months is two years. Bottled and bond. What does bottled and bond mean as far as the base minimum? Four. Four. Yes. Nice. Like class, class done, class over. Uh, <laughs> A plus. Oh, A plus. This is a little bit of an elevation of what you're seeing there. And uh, that the minimum uh, age statement here is four months, not mm-hmm. months, four years. Mm-hmm four years. Uh, it's actually closer to five years, this blend, all from the same okay. season, still age in new American oak, uh, but we tweak the mash bill a little bit. So before we were talking about, you know, rough averages of 85%, this is now mm-hmm. 91% raw rye. Okay. Oh, and then wow. the other 9% is the German rye. So we dramatically dropped the German rye um, in the mash bill. And it balances mm-hmm. out. And actually, I think this is the best iteration of the rye that we've we've come out with to date. Uh, it's it's it just feels like a more mature version, right? It's like we're growing up, and you're seeing this this uh, maturity of flavor develop with this new release. And so it's just trickling out across the market. I'm trying to so you can see there's a gold foil to the to the mm-hmm. rye. On yours, it's uh, uh it's black. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice looking bottle. Again, it's kind of hard to see cause the, the light, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it's trickling out across the country in various waves right now. Um, sure. but, uh, it's, a, yeah, it's a little more of a, a mature variation on what y'all have there. You still get a little bit of the chocolate, a little bit of the tobacco, but the fennel comes out a little bit more. And I think that grassiness is actually going to remind people a little bit more of a Kentucky or Indiana style rye. Um, okay. But still be like, wait, something else is going on here. Like, ah, t- t- tell me what's going on. You know, is, is it, wah. it's still going to make people think, which is yeah. the fun thing. People should think more, you know, chew on the yeah. whiskey. Yeah. We'll have to see if we can find that next time yeah. we're in Nebraska. We're going to have to, you know, we just got done talking about requirements for it's a be a bottle bottled and bond. And we've actually had quite a few listeners reach out wanting to know about requirements for it to be um, labeled as a Texas whiskey. Cause I oh, know yeah. there's different certifications, regulations you have to meet for it to be labeled a Texas whiskey. Can you tell us yeah. about what no, those absolutely. requirements are? Yeah. So you can see, uh, again, I uh, hope so. You can kind of, yeah, you can see it there. Yep. Certified Texas whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, here it is, uh, on, uh, baby blue. This is actually the first legal Texas whiskey that was ever made. Um, we do still make it. It's a corn whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a, I've got a fun football story about this that we can talk about in a second, but what, what is Texas whiskey, right? Um, the, the funny way to present that is that we actually just made it up. Um, and <laughs> because we did, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but there's actually a very intense body of people that are very passionate about it, including ourselves, but a lot of other producers too. Maybe some some of the bigger producers that people you know might have heard of now is still Austin making great bourbon, uh, dabbling in rye as well. Um, Garrison Brothers down in Austin as well are in high. Mm-hmm. They're making bourbons. Um, our very dear friends Iron Root, who make phenomenal bourbons and corn whiskeys um, and brandy up in Denison. And so there's this map uh, of the Texas Whiskey Trail uh, with mm-hmm. 20 to 30 distilleries on it. 
Um, and so there's there's this collective idea and this mindset of wanting to make Texas whiskey. And so the Texas Whiskey um, Association uh, is helping govern the idea of certified Texas whiskey. And that means that you're making grain to glass whiskey and bottling it in Texas. So it's pretty easy yeah. to chew on the idea of what that is. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very similar to if you're trying to hold on to the idea of make Tennessee whiskey or a Kentucky whiskey. It's made, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be Texas grain. It can be pot distilled or column or hybrid. It can be in new oak. It can be in used oak, but it must be whiskey, of course. Um, mm-hmm. So our vodka friends, our rum friends um, can't technically, you know, fall into that category. Uh, you can't have um, additives or fillers, things like that, but it is grain to glass production and bottled, of course, part of that glass, grain to glass, made mm-hmm. at one distillery um, in, in, in Texas. So certified Texas whiskey um, is something that is growing too. There's a lot of folks joining the Texas whiskey trail. You can probably spend two weeks going up and down that trail because Texas is so big. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it is kind of funny to say we just made it up, but it really was a collective mindset of like the idea of bringing people together that all have a vision of wanting to celebrate Texas and hold mm-hmm. on to something that's more fun. And so there is a big Texas whiskey festival that's held uh, every year in uh, usually in Austin as a central meeting point um, and where all the, the distillers get together in like a, a festival um, where you can pour new things or, you know, your core lineup, um, mm-hmm. some music and raffles for uh, for you know, consumers, but we always like to sneak around um, and go try other people's, you know, Lone Elm and their wheat whiskey, um, Iron Root debuting some brandy or, or a, a, a finished corn whiskey. Um, so we're, it's a really cool, cool moment in time to be a part of, you know, writing a chapter in the book of whiskey, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of just like following in the footsteps of other people, it's like, well, maybe sure. we can do something here. So yeah, I like that. Certified Texas whiskey. Your, cool. Yours might have this on there too. Let's check. Oops, that was loud. Yeah. It does. Yep. The, yeah. The, the bourbon mm-hmm. and the uh, rye both have it. Yep. Yep. So obviously you have rumble over there too. Rumble's yeah. not a whiskey. So right. it doesn't qualify. Because yeah. it's yeah. made with honey and sugar as the base. So it's kind of like a rum brandy hybrid. So it technically mm-hmm. doesn't qualify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um so a a funny thing on this one um we've all heard of those silly folks in arlington dallas cowboys yeah so i did a uh i did a tasting uh with the jones family oh really Uh, wow which was really interesting um yeah they honestly, they were some of the nicest people. They're very genuine and they're mm-hmm. actually very, uh, you, if you didn't know who they were, you wouldn't think that they were who they are. You know what I mean? They were the most friendly people. Not that I need to be selling them as friendly people, but I, I was saying, <laughs> I'm saying this cause I'm, I was pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, at the end of the evening, uh, there was Steven, Jerry, Charlotte, uh, and, and some friends and I was mm-hmm. able to do a tasting for them. Uh, and they were, uh, they were very, very lovely <laughs> and they, they ended up, uh, loving this whiskey. They were just like, this is the best thing that we we've ever had. I think they oh, also wow. had nice. a, a lovely evening, um, with the pre 
the pre-dinner uh, cocktails and the wine that they had. So I think they were also just having a joyous <laughs> moment um, sure. that helps lubricate that conversation, you know, if you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. But they were just like, wow, this was great. Uh, we love this whiskey. I had a whole spread and, and showed them some other whiskeys. But uh, funny enough that this was their favorite, Baby Blue, corn whiskey, right? Kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that led to some other funny conversations. But um, that that's my that's my only connection to football outside of just like <laughs> following it on TV is like I met the yeah. Jones family and they were lovely. That's really cool though. It is. Um, and, and it's cool to hear uh, to me anyways, that they're, they're very genuine and everything because I, I might be because the, uh, the owners of the sports gambling podcast network that we go through, they're Eagles and giants fans. So naturally oh. they very much dislike Dallas. Um, <laughs> and you hear so many stories about Jerry world and it's his world and we're all living in it. So um, so yeah, it is nice to hear like from somebody who's actually met them and not just a rival fan of yeah. how down to earth they are and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they're, what is, what are the, the Cowboys maybe again this year are valued as the most valuable franchise in yeah. the world. You know, they're up there with some of those humongous premier league soccer teams. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. they certainly don't act like that. And there was very much an intentionality that I appreciate. Right. It's, it's a level of intentionality that you can. And I know everybody's busy. There's a lot of things going on in the world. Um, they could have easily just treated me whatever, but they yeah. didn't. They were, they were very kind and they wanted to ask me questions about myself and my family and the whiskey, of course. And so mm-hmm. it was just this moment of like, one, they are just people. They just happen to be insanely wealthy and manage one of the most, you know, focused teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometimes focused on losing, you know, but focused on winning, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, so yeah, go Cowboys. <laughs> Can we, do you want to go a little bit back into the, yeah. the history, yeah, history back of all the way up. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we've, it's been said multiple times on the show already, but it, the distillery is located in Waco. Waco. Um, it started, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it started in 2008 mm-hmm. and distilling in 2009. So rolling into 2009 is when we released baby blue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, yeah. Can you, can you walk us through a little bit of the history of how mm-hmm. Balcones was started? Yeah. So originally the idea wasn't to make whiskey. The idea was to open a beer bar uh, in Waco. Uh, a couple guys were in a homebrew club. They really liked the idea of making beer, but then quickly figured out that they also had a, a common love for single malts, Scottish single malts. It was like, well, nobody else is doing this. Maybe we can figure this out. We can tinker around and, and do our own thing. And one thing led to another. And it was like this, this really scrappy maverick DIY idea of wanting to make whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and just like a lot of other stories often go, um, this idea that they started producing some things were like, wow, this actually doesn't taste bad. Um, is it good yet? I don't know, but it's certainly not bad. Share it with enough people. And folks are like, you're on to something. And there's, there's just already this itch and this drive to um, that. We haven't arrived. We still say that today that like, we haven't arrived. We're still, we're still trying to figure out what we're meant to do with our whiskey and in our own lives. But um, and so it was this, this constant itch to, to dig deeper into what could be done. And so in the early days, knew we wanted to make some American whiskeys, but focus on single malts. Um, and so 
we were able to scrap together enough money again with the original um, set of guys and get this old welding shop that we, we still own today. And that, that was our original distillery, which is about 2000 square feet. Um, and it's about six blocks. Yeah. Six blocks from where we're currently uh, producing all of our whiskey, but from 2008 to 2015, we were in that building. Uh, we got our new building in 2015 but it's all been 100% copper pot distilled since day one. Uh, we just kind of uh, expanded that idea and that production scale and size in 2015 into 2016. And then we've been in our current facility ever since then. So there might be questions that, that roll off of that, but that's kind of the origins of Balcones when it comes to production side. The name, we often get a lot of questions about, and, and that's, yeah. a, that's its own little story. Uh, and so in, in rooted back in the idea of wanting to produce single malts in the world of, uh, you know, scotch kind of mindset, that's what we were, we were consuming at that time as a brand. Um, you name yourself after a place rather than a person. Uh, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with this, but you think about Evan Williams, mm-hmm. Jim Beam, E.H. Taylor, Stitzel Weller. These are all named after people, right? And again, there's nothing wrong with that that concept but in an old world kind of idea um you name yourself after the local landmark a water source uh, a region of the country and so mm-hmm. this is an idea kind of rooted in that and balcones is actually a fault line that runs down through uh, the gulf of mexico uh, up around and bends around up into waco and so if anybody has been to austin or been around the hill country you see a lot of undulating hills and sometimes cliffs limestone cliffs and so this is actually an artist rendering of um, the plates coming together. But in reality, we later figured out the plates are actually separate and more like this. And they actually form a balcony. So okay. it's actually a Spanish word that means balcony, balcones. Um, and you can actually see it in Waco. There are, uh, there are big, there's Lover's Leap where the Brazos and the Bosque rivers meet uh, mm-hmm. and cliffs. And it looks like a balcony. You're, you could stand up here and look down upon a friend or a foe, I guess, back then. <laughs> and so bal- Balcones, bal- Balcony. And so that's what that logo is that you see above my head. And uh-huh. that's the origin of Balcones Distilling. I like that yeah. a lot. Yeah, that's very, very mm-hmm. cool. Um, oh. I, I assume, I, I don't want to assume, but I had a question about the bottles. They say whiskey without the E. Is that uh, oh, because yeah. of the, the love for the single malt and the scotch and why that uh, why the E was not used? Yeah, that, that's kind of been one of those since day one uh, mm-hmm. origin nods is that, yeah, in, in kind of the old world tradition, um, using whiskey without the E versus the, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, maybe more synonymous with American whiskey, you would have the E in there. We've always sure. spelled it without. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. yeah. That's, that's a good catch. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to touch on something you you spoke about already, but the blending process. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you guys, your whiskey's blended, but not as like your normal blended whiskey. You guys are blending aged barrels of the same thing. It, yeah. Does that ever leave to each batch being a little bit different or is it pretty much the same because the consistency of the product going into the barrels is pretty much the same. So that's actually, you, you frame that really beautifully. And so new make spirit or you know, like some marketing gurus, started calling it white lightning, white dog. I know it has roots in the idea of moonshine, but new make coming off the stills, there is a level of 
homog- like a homogenation of flavor there. And we do now, especially over the last year or two, we do new make batching where we'll take multiple days of new make. We will batch them together and determine if it's on spec with what, what we're looking for. However, okay. from there, the consistency then gets radically different because each barrel that it enters you know, is an agricultural product, right? There's no telling where those staves were in a tree, which tree it was in. Uh, there's something absolutely beautiful about the idea of trees actually having maybe more of a life of their own than we're actually able to comprehend, mostly because we won't slow down and like listen to the earth uh, yeah. enough. But we can have casks come in that are new American oak, have the same specs, set them in the same part of the warehouse, and they will taste radically different. So as blenders, we have a unique opportunity to partner with what is being presented to us, you know, in the glass per barrel and try to figure out how to find something that is relatable from a previous batch, but we're absolutely not looking for hyper consistency. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is like, it's rooted in the fact that we would probably hate our jobs if we had to be so hyper consistent. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's just this idea of like wanting to respond to what's presented to us by Mm -hmm. nature that we, we embrace. Um, And so there is a level of us trying to guide uh, these different batches in the same direction. Sure. But that, that, that channel, you know, it's like the river is flowing in a very wide channel. Um, but there's different rocks and different logs all along the way. And so we're, we, we, we hit, you know, areas where it's like, Whoa, this actually is way more tannic, but that's actually, but this barrel, this barrel, we know it's been used three times. And so with our corn whiskey or even our single malt, it's been used three times, but this new American oak cask is providing a ton of wood sugar and density, you know, that's partnering with that apricot new make. This barrel over here is so much more lighter and delicate. And then when we blend them together, there's a balancing effect. So we're still, Mm -hmm. we've got some of the supporting characteristics of the tannin and wood sugar, but then some of the floral aspect that you're getting from the grain profile being more present, you create this really beautiful picture. And we're able to do that across a wide range of casks because we do stay so close to the spirit that it's not just, again, the Excel spreadsheet of like these 300 barrels, drag across, copy, paste, drop, dump them. And then it's like, okay, well, there's the whiskey. Um, it's actually much more fun and beautiful and more arduous. Yeah. You feel more responsibility uh, mm-hmm. and more ownership on what's going into the bottle. And so we toil over these blends. You know, they, they take weeks Mm-hmm. produce because we know at the end of the day, someone's going to try it and may- maybe it'll add to their life, hopefully not subtract from their life, but maybe it'll add something compelling to their life. So yeah. uh, we, we feel responsible that we need to do the due diligence when it comes to the flavor there. So I know that's a really long winded answer, but that's no, that's true. really cool though. I mean, as a, as a consumer who mm-hmm. is also just a huge fan of whiskey. Now I, I said how much I love that rye hearing that makes me want to, go buy different bottles yes. of it to, to compare <laughs> and see if I pick different. up different mm-hmm. things out of different batches. I mean, that sure. that's really fascinating to me to know that like I could have something that's just a, a, even if it's just a little bit different, it's got mm-hmm. a little bit differentness to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's and really you, cool. I do absolutely guarantee you, you will, you would find a difference between the rye you have and this one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if you were to look across a year, right? So if you find like a 2020, uh, rye. It's mm-hmm. also a COVID year, which is interesting because we had to blend yeah. that 
away from each we like that was blended i remember some funny stories of the guys going to the warehouse to pull the samples but nobody wanted to or nobody could be on site right because mm-hmm. social distancing appropriately you know be safe be smart um but then they would drop the trays and then gabe would go up to the distillery grab the trays take them home and blend from home which is oh, a wow. whole different environment than what we would think about blend yeah how covid right? would have impacted all that yeah. <laughs> oh yeah it was, it was crazy um but yeah, if you look at different years, uh, you would you would probably pick up on a little bit of nuance. You're like, wow, actually, I think this is a little bit this is a little bit more like Baker's chocolate chocolate. Where mm-hmm. I remember there being way more like tobacco and acid kind of profile to it, or maybe it's more subdued. I think over like a year, you know, 2020 batch to a 2021, mm-hmm. you'd probably mm-hmm. pick up on a little bit more of a of a noticeable change. That's really cool. Yeah, that is. Um, And I'm going to pour the rumble here, but you guys have baby blue corn whiskey. The Texas rye bottled and bond is the new one. Uh, Brimstone, the Texas bourbon, Texas single malt lineage. And uh, correct me if I say it wrong, but Cataleja, did I miss any? No, that was, and that was great. Yeah, that's, that's this one. Uh, This is a sherry finished single malt that we just launched for our 15th anniversary uh, this last year. Oh, well, I say this last year, but it's we're we're kind of slowly trickling it out to markets, just kind of organically. Um, but we launched it at the distillery for our 15th anniversary in October. Um, but yeah, the way it's funny, and I'll throw it out there. It sounds it sounds more doom and gloom, and I'll even preface it that way. Um, but we're we're starting to do a lot of self editing. So Rumble, even what you have there, I'm curious. The Rumble bottle that you have. Yeah. What what does it say on the back as far as the date? So this one's from uh it's a 21 20 bottled in 21. Bottled in 21. October 4th of 2021. So yeah, did I not say you that? You said 21-20. Oh, 21-1. Sorry. Yeah. So that's <laughs> first that's batch one in 2021. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Good job. Nice. Hired. A plus again. (laughs) Yeah. Hired. Um, So we are no longer making rumble. Uh, And so anything that people find, I think we stopped blending rumble in 2022. Um, We're no longer going to produce it. We've been wanting to do a lot of self-editing anyways. Um, We felt like we've, we've gone on a lot of these kind of like, we've seen the world in a lot of different ways. We've done a lot of international traveling, if you will. And it's now just like, you know what, we have a time and an opportunity to really develop the garden in our backyard rather than sure. experiment, experiencing these culinary flavors across the world. Uh, and so pulling back on this idea, we're starting to do some self-editing. So uh, rumble uh, will be going away. The rye is going to be changing, uh, but baby blue lineage and mm-hmm. uh, the Texas one single malt, which is the first pour I had, are kind of going to be the driving the driving ships uh, for for Balcones. Uh, Rumble okay. is a fan favorite, but we're not we're actually not going to make it anymore. Uh, it's it's a bit of a, a cult, there's a cult following to it because it's a weird one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just because Texas Texans are weird and and, <laughs> and want to chew uh, on. Wh- which one is your favorite? Just curious. Uh, man. So my, man, hmm, my favorite is probably a special release that we haven't spoken about. It's actually, let me see if I can do this above my head. (laughs) Um, It's called called Mirador. So, but otherwise lineage is my favorite daily drinker. 
But okay. Mirador, you you can't find where there it is. Um, I'll grab it. You can't find it. Um, we haven't released it in a couple of years. Okay. Um, but if you look, you see how like light the color is. I don't know if that you can. Yeah. Use. yeah. Whereas with Texas One, see how dark it is. Oh yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. So Mirador, these are basically the same whiskeys. It's more complex than this, but they start out as Golden Promise, which is a Scottish barley. Mirador okay. is aged in used oak for four to five years. And Texas one is aged in new oak. So used yeah. oak, new oak. Interesting. Um, they're blended differently um, with mm-hmm. different mindsets, different ideas, but this is just like lemon meringue and like Manuka honey. It's just like so oh, wow. soft and delicate. Whereas Texas one, which is probably what we're most known for uh, mm-hmm. is much more deep and intense and rich Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, I, I just I, this is a special release, and I just find it to be lovely. So this is probably my favorite. Yeah, but my favorite daily drinker is um, Lineage because you can find it now uh, around the states. Yeah, nice. And you're not making the Mirador anymore. So we're launching a new version of it uh, okay. in April, May. Uh, but it won't be like the one I just showed you. It'll be a variant on it. Um, so that's all I can say for right now. But yeah, there's a variant cool. of it coming out. So this is this this is we haven't told anybody. So I'm telling you, oh, break, um, break yeah yeah yeah. Uh, <laughs> we we have a variant coming out um, that uh, will coincide with the solar eclipse that's happening. Oh, that's cool. Yeah going to pass through texas and right over waco uh so we have a variant of uh, mirador it will be called eclipse coming out um very cool yeah single mold yeah um so rumble that we're tasting right now i know you said you can't you're not producing it anymore you can still Mm -hmm. find it since we found the bottle but um So we've made a variant of old fashions with a elderflower liqueur. I can't think of the name of it right now, mm-hmm. but for some reason, this, um, this kind of reminds me of it. it. It's just cause it's got that nice sweetness from the honey and the mm-hmm. sugar. And, yep. uh, it, I feel like for people that like a sweeter old fashioned, this would be perfect. Just the to unique, put in it. like just, just yeah. to make a unique cocktail. With yeah. It. Give it a unique cocktail. Uh, it's a really nice, sweet, easy drink. Um, yeah, I really like this. This this is a very, very probably too easy of a sipper. <laughs> yeah, and right, and it's it's forty seven percent, so it's not mm-hmm. it's not too crazy, but it's also not in like a liqueur range where it's thirty yeah. percent or, or mm-hmm. something. Um, but yeah, this we we talk about this uh, with the idea that it's kind of like a rum brandy hybrid, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is right, there's turbinado sugar and honey which you could make a rum out of. Um, But then there's uh, the figs that, you know, brandy, you could make the fruit you could use to make brandy. So it's kind of like a rum brandy hybrid, but we, we produce it just like we would any of our whiskeys, double batch Mm -hmm. copper pot distillation. uh, And then we age it in American Oak and French Oak. Uh, French Oak is very expensive. And so we're trying Mm -hmm. to walk away from French Oak because it's so expensive and because we want to focus more on uh, American concepts, new world concepts, mm-hmm. versus old world, and we don't want to uh, we don't want to be harvesting French oak. Um, sure. So 
it it is like there's like these moments where it's like is this like a finished whiskey you're like i don't know it's a little funkier and fruitier maybe it could be a rum to some like you know people that have a big rum palate uh but it but it's a weird it's a weird one it, it really mm-hmm. is uh, we, we again we've made it forever but we we made a decision to kind of pull back on it there's a lot of people that that love it though especially in texas um and yeah. it's obviously it's grown legs and we've, mm-hmm. we've distributed it uh to quite a few states and I'm trying to think if we've exported it ever exported it to any other countries i don't think so i think it, we've only ever sold it in in the states um but i do enjoy it because it's it's floral uh, there's a yeah. fruitiness mm-hmm. to it it's sweet without being like sugary sweet but it mm-hmm. is it is definitely sweeter than anything else we make because yeah. of the base grain or yeah. it's not even I think but. the fig is what hooked you, isn't it? You saw the fig in your yeah. Like, oh. This I was just reading it because we found it next to. Um... Well, it was a it was a debate between this and brimstone. It was. I wanted oh. the brimstone. <laughs> um, you wanted the rumble. I and, just wanted. It was different, and I lost. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it was that yeah, the label and just reading it. It was like, yeah. oh, this is different. I want to try this because it was like that. Yeah, wildflower honey and the fig, and I was just. To this be fair, we were with my parents because we were celebrating my mother's birthday and uh, my birthday is in April and I took them to the brimstone and I said, just so you guys know. Snap a photo and just <laughs> exactly. like, oh, next time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You'll right. be That's... texting a photo of that like every week. Yeah. Until yeah just, your just a reminder in case you guys forgot. <laughs> yeah. The rumble is, you know, honestly, this is, this might sound silly, but uh, if you if you take a little bit of rumble and then add champagne, it's kind of like a French seventy five. That's a really oh, fun way yeah. to consume it. Uh, that'd be a boozy mm-hmm. French seventy five, but uh, it's fun because a lot more of that fruit and the floral quality yeah. comes out. Um, but uh, that's like a kind of a fun cocktail yeah, I like application, that. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or cava, you know, prosecco. It doesn't have to be yeah. champagne. Eventually, we're um, going to. We have a bar downstairs in the house that we uh, bought, and we're going to redo it and make it kind of cool. speakeasy-ish. Um, it's going to be called the Brass Giraffe, and we're gonna we're gonna make like a menu yeah. of cocktails and stuff. And that I think that would be a neat one to put on there. It would be. So we're gonna have to go find another bottle of this. Yeah. This is going away. <laughs> yeah, and then sure. yeah, make a fun like a. Seasonal cocktail, yeah, yeah for sure. There you go. Yeah. See, doing all kinds of different stuff with this. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. That that's a fun one too for kind of like the holiday thing. You know, think about the idea of like uh, cranberries and a little mm-hmm. bit of like the sparkling quality, like a sprig of rosemary. You can get some kind of like holiday kind of things coming out of there without it being. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could make it, you know, very dessert like uh, and festive, which is a fun mm-hmm. way to, you know look at the application, not just like savory or sweet, but then you start bringing in more herbal. Uh, and yeah. that's, a fun, that's a fun way to have rumble rumble as well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I have to ask you, cause we, we ask everybody we bring onto the show. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your favorite? We don't ask everybody what their favorite non Balcones <laughs> whiskey yeah. is, yeah. but what is your favorite um, non Balcones whiskey? So outside of, um, balcones. What's your favorite? What's my favorite? Um, I think for, so I'll, I'll throw out a couple different like qualifiers, um, yeah. uh, for availability bourbon, mm-hmm. I will say maker's mark. 
Um, yeah. I do, I do really love, you can find it anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. It's sure. relatively affordable really in any situation and you know what you're going to get, right? Like their idea is hyper consistency. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that, that's my uh, affordable, approachable, findable uh, bourbon. Four Roses I think is my favorite bourbon though, especially their single barrels because they're mm-hmm. so vastly different and you can go on a journey chasing, you know, different yeast strains and things like that. Um, I probably spend more money on scotch in single malts. So I'll then quickly take a eight hour flight over to Scotland and say Glendronic and maybe Glen Farkless are my favorite. Uh, Just because the grain is so present and lovely and they're not peated. So it, it's, it's, they're much softer and more floral. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of wine finishing that is like very beautifully integrated uh, between those two different producers, Glenn Farkless, Glendronic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I, 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 I can't just dial it down to one. So I just threw out yeah. a bunch That's of Okay. Them. I love this. Yeah. Um, yeah. We recently were asked to do a Scotch review and we had never done one. We had never done one because we've oh. never, yeah. we just have, um, Ben bourbon, right? Yeah, we're, so we're. I want us to start because we do have a a following that does like scotch. Yeah. Um. What was the first one? So we just did so, our first one. I know, and, all, and it was the very first scotch I've like tried. I was told <laughs> I butchered the name, but it was Tomatin. Um, yeah, Tomatin. Oh, I don't know if I don't even know that one. T o m a t i n, Tomatin, Tomatin. Oh, Tomatin. Tomatin, thank okay. you. Yeah. See, um, we got we, that. Yeah. We were getting corrected yeah. left and we, right when we were. So we picked that. that one because it 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 is finished in bourbon mm-hmm. um, and sherry right. cast, and we're like, oh, we're dipping our toes in the scotch with yeah, one yeah. that's finished in bourbon. But um, yeah. yeah, it is something that we have one listener in in particular, Karen, that she said she's been drinking scotch for thirty or forty years. So big scotch person and wanted us to incorporate some more scotch into, into the pod. So, so yeah. And we, we're going to have to look for, is there a specific one of those two? Well, I would, I would even say, so with that idea, mm-hmm. I think something that you can find that is still actually very good and is not like, there's a lot of blendeds, right? We didn't, mm-hmm. we, we practice blending but not blended, right? Like Johnny Walker is blended. They, they, Mm -hmm. they buy whiskey from a bunch of different houses of, of whiskey producers, and then they blend them together. Um, So there's a lot of blended products on the market, but something like Glen Morangie is something you can find anywhere. You could go to a random bar for the most part or any liquor store, and you're going to find something Glen Morangie. That's, Mm -hmm. that's usually a really fun one to review because they're lower ABV. They do have some really fun finishes that make it to the market, but it's very approachable. Price points usually aren't too crazy and mm-hmm. they're not so esoteric that it's going to turn people off. They're not peated. Glenn Morangie's releases aren't peated. Um, so I think that's actually a really great place as like a bridge. Um, okay. McAllen, McAllen is one people like a lot, right? But it's more expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, Glenn Morangie to me is a, is a good one to go with for okay. kind of okay. a little bit of a bridge into that world. Yeah. Of, we're like, going to have to go find ourselves a bottle of that. And yeah. So yeah. yeah. Kind of flipping back to Balcones. Um, 
how many states are you guys distributed in and can can listeners order online if they don't see it at their their liquor store so the majority of our uh, of our volume i guess if you will is texas based mm-hmm. um we're in 46 states okay. uh most 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 of them uh, including yeah. alaska actually um oh, nice which is fun um Iowa is not one. Yeah. Uh, I might be going to Ohio soon, maybe, oh, uh, for, for an event. Um, you can order our whiskey through a few e-commerce websites, but we are not legally allowed to ship from mm-hmm. our, our distillery, Texas Law. So it's, uh, it's like, dang it, you got to come visit. We do have unique <laughs> things that are available only in the gift shop, um, oh, okay. including including beer. We, we make beer at the distillery. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can buy it on draft or in cans. Um, but there's a lot of great retailers on the East coast and West coast that do ship um, uh, drizzly and reserve bar, you know, think, sure. things like that. Seal box, maybe too. Uh, there's, I don't know, there's quite a few, but you can find us online through online retailers. Um, mostly our core whiskey every once in a while an LTO, you know, special release like, mm-hmm. um, which again, you did a lovely job saying it, Catalea, mm-hmm. which is a heavily sherry finishing. Sorry, the label's not really okay. picking up very well, but no, it looks uh, really I like cool, that. Though. Yeah. That's really neat looking. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we used a local artist uh, in Waco, an illustrator, and she helped us draw the label. Um, oh, that's cool. She but, did a great uh, job. You can you can find uh, through a myriad of websites. They're just not ours because we can't ship legally. Mm-hmm. Or are, you guys, illegal. are you guys in Minnesota? Minnesota, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Okay. I was already thinking Ace, Ace Spirits. Yes. Yeah. So we we had uh, the owner of Ace Spirits, and we kind of have a, a friendship slash partnership mm-hmm. with him. So um, no. any of the listeners, I, I highly recommend check out. Make sure if you can't get it at your liquor store, check out Ace Spirits. Well, does he have? Does he? We'll have to look into it. Or well, otherwise, I'll bug him about uh, yeah, it. Yeah, bug him <laughs> yeah. because I'd like to I be like able to get him it. About like, hey, yeah. can you get this? Because I can't get it here, mm-hmm. and I want to order it. <laughs> yeah, no. See, see what he can get. Right. I think that's like yeah. the best thing any anybody can do, especially working through independent retailers. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, no, no offense to the chains of the world. They're they're great for you know specific purposes and um sometimes independent retailers grow to have multiple units and become a chain right but yeah um a lot of times you can form really dynamic relationships by going in and and you know even you know with the the whole uh hey i had this um Mm -hmm. what can you get of this brand um and you know they might be able to say i can get the world i just had a rep in you know and so i think that's like the the worst thing that we can do is not ask you know, politely, yeah. mm-hmm. especially with independent retailers um, who we can form great relationship with, support their business. And um, there's a good chance, yeah, in Minnesota, you can find quite a few of our whiskeys uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we're a big fan of Ace Spirits because that's the only store is in Minnesota, but he ships to 40, 48, 48. Yeah. 48 states. There you um, go. And it's it's the same shipping price whether you buy a bottle or six or seven. So um actually I think if you get to a certain point, it's free shipping. But mm-hmm. um so yeah, we usually if we can't get it in Iowa, that's where we go first to see if we can get it from there. Mm-hmm. There you go. A shout out to Ace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um awesome. we I 
don't know if you knew this, but Waco is already on like a place that I want to go. And because of Magnolia Farms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. And, yeah. and now we're absolutely yeah, making it happen. Go yeah. Like, I want to get yeah. down there. They, <laughs> so, you know, they, they just they just opened a hotel. I don't oh, really. really? Yeah, I don't, you know, like no, no free ads. Right. But, uh, they, they, it's a beautiful hotel, uh, hotel 1928, but it's owned by uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. You know, it's, it's facilitated mm-hmm. to do their, their world and it's absolutely stunning. I don't know how much it costs, but we're all, yeah. But to your original kind of point, we're only a few blocks away from them. Um, yeah, it's it's not very far. There's a, there's a great little food court in that area, but yeah, they have their whole complex with like a bakery and shops, and um, you can go tour the silos, their their silos. Yeah, and then a few blocks over are our silos, right? Our, our fermentation oh. tanks and yeah, and everything. Everything is made uh, all in a sixty five thousand square foot uh, area for us. They they own like six city blocks. Uh, <laughs> sure, it's not far. Yeah, well, we blocks we got we got to go to Magnolia first because if we go to Balcones first, I know you're going to want to buy too many too things. Many things. <laughs> <laughs> it could be dangerous. Yes. <laughs> yes. Start your morning at Magnolia and then come over to Balcones yeah, and, yeah. and ha- have a flight, have a cocktail. The bar there is actually phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. We're the, the way the licensing works in Texas, we're not allow- allowed to buy a, uh, any other spirits or liqueurs or any other uh, things that you would normally find at a bar. So um, mm-hmm. they can only make cocktails based on things that we have that we produce. Oh, so really everything is very stripped down and bare. And so you could easily find flaws uh, if you will. Right. So it, they're yeah. all very classic cocktails. Um, but then again, we do have, uh, you know, low ABV cocktails. We have beer and it's usually mm-hmm. everything available is uh, also low ABV pilsners, lagers, you know, maybe three and a half to f- maybe five and a half percent ABV. And then usually one stout, you know, maybe or a barrel aged uh, stout, things like that on tap. So you you can come enjoy and relax. There's a restaurant across the street and a coffee shop, actually. So you can kind of stay in downtown Waco now and yeah. it, it'd be a little bit of a destination flying to Dallas or flying to Austin. It's an mm-hmm. hour and a half. You know, you could stay a couple nights or a night, you know, enjoy and then go back to one of the major cities. So Waco is kind of a growing, growing little sleepy town, you know. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like it's got to be a, a trip eventually for us, for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, our, our listener that first, uh, I guess, I guess he reached out to you guys because he was there and got us the contact information. But he said one of the things he loved about going there was he's a big beer fan and a big whiskey fan and he could have both he could try both um get flights things like that so yeah that, yep. that was something he passed along that he really enjoyed about about cool man no that that's awesome we we appreciate i guess a negative as well you know it's all constructive <laughs> criticism but positive feedback about that because that's the whole reason we then right i don't know if if, if we remember but the original idea of balcones was centered around the idea of wanting to open maybe a brew pub uh, mm-hmm. a craft little beer bar idea and so coming full circle we actually launched the, the our first beer in 2020 uh it was like yeah. february of 2020 and then obviously we we, we know what happened shortly after mm-hmm. that um but we we only we only have it on site uh we don't distribute it nationwide or anything our mm-hmm. focus is whiskey we just happen to we just happen to make a little bit of beer um 
because we like drinking it, but then also we know that not everybody can sit around and drink 46 to, you know, cast, we have cast drink offerings as well. So um, that, that will be quite taxing quickly. And so a nice low, you know, lower ABV lager or Pilsner is sometimes easier to, you know, sip on. So yeah, yeah. for sure. Very cool. Um, So yeah, for any of our listeners, highly recommend you check out Balcones. Uh, I, we've only tried three of them, but I love the rye. Uh, we got to try the single malt. I really mm-hmm. want to try the brimstone. Um, just a lot of cool different stuff. And I really like just there were so many things I pulled that were unique um, mm-hmm. from talking with you. The Just the uniqueness, the different approaches from just the Texas weather to the, the fermentation and kind of like let it do its thing. You know, things yeah. like that. Um, just very unique. I really, really enjoyed this. It's a lot of fun. Yes. Having said that, was there anything maybe we missed that you wanted to add about Balcones? Um, no, I don't. I mean, I, I think we we covered a a lot. Obviously, you know, mm-hmm. we could we could go in depth in a lot more topics, but I, I do I, I feel like we had a lot of fun with it, and we got to we got to try some very specific and unique things, and kind of wander mm-hmm. in and out the story of you know kind of flavor and innovation. So yeah. I think that that really does kind of. And, you know, encapsulate a lot of the ideas. We barely talked about football. You know, so. <laughs> That's okay. This is a whiskey special That's episode. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Next year. Well, we can talk more about next, uh, you know, football next year when the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. There you go. Um, the owners of our place won't like that, but that's okay. Exactly. You know, that the Eagles just won and the Giants are the Giants. You know? the giant, yeah, yeah. It, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, Eli would, Manning, like we haven't had a Super Bowl in what, like 30 years? Come on. It's a long know? time for yeah. such a, uh, a organization that really is strong. I mean, the mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys win a lot of games. It's just they don't. They don't win the right ones or they don't finish the season, I guess. <laughs> they don't win the right ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the thing. They don't win the right ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you, know what's, you know what's funny is that um, – so Troy Aikman, right, talk uh-huh. about Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Um, you'll randomly see him if you're ever in Dallas. He actually is all over the place, you know, just going to eat breakfast or running or whatever. He is a, an absolute giant of a human being. Right. Yeah. Until you bump into like professional, especially football or maybe basketball players. Um, he is a giant. So, you know, that was the last quarterback that won the Super Bowl, you know, yeah. for the Cowboys was Trey Eggman that long ago. Yeah. Any, anyways. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I know you mentioned you guys released uh, a beer 2020 in February. I hope with every every comparison I've heard of 2020 to 2024 as far as football is concerned, you know, the Chiefs won that year. They beat the 49ers. Um, there's so much that's lining up football-wise with both those years. And please, outside of football. And outside of football, been... political-wise, everything. Please please don't release a beer in February so that we don't repeat. <laughs> we don't want to go into COVID number two. Yeah. He's trying no. to there's so many uh, conspiracies <laughs> that like, oh, it's a really 2020. Yeah, because because just how the Chiefs won and they're like football. There were, I don't know, like 20 different things that lined up with yeah, 2020 because in, and in 2020. Um, Lamar Jackson won MVP. He won this year. Yeah. Anyone. Texans yeah. won 10 games and won their division. That happened this year. Like there's just Ron there's Rivera lot. was fired <laughs> from his team in 2020. He was fired from it in 2024. There's so much that's lining up. That everybody's like, like COVID too. I was like, no, no please. please stop. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't like this. Yeah. Nope. Right. <laughs> um, nope. Yeah. It 
It won't happen. I'm just no. going to say right now. All right. Well, Alex, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate yeah, it. This, this has is been a lot, a lot of fun. For sure. That's what I was going to say. Um, Take the words right out of your mouth. That's <laughs> right. Uh, and Keys. thanks for joining. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for joining Old Fashioned Football. You're welcome back anytime. And uh, we hope to make it to Waco sometime to see the distillery and try some of the, some more of the whiskeys. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers to y'all. Um, oh, logo's out. Cheers, cheers a to y'all. A little bit left. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me. This is this yeah. is lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Thank so you. much. Thank you. All right. Big shout out to Alex from Balcones. That was a lot of fun. No, that was. He uh, he is super knowledgeable about like all facets of them making the whiskey and just everything within the company. <laughs> we also we did do a little check, and you can find lineage. Which he said was one of his go-tos. Yes. And the single malt. The single malts over on aspirits.com. Get over head over there. Um or a spirits app is now live. There you go. The app, the is, app ready. is ready. Cool. I'm gonna be downloading that app. I don't even have an app. Oh what am goodness. I doing? I have the app, of course. <laughs> uh and use code bet, you get ten dollars off your first purchase. So thank you for that promo code. Yeah. I was just about to ask you because <laughs> It's late and it slipped my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely get over that. We didn't try either of those today, uh, but I am sure those are some amazing whiskeys. Everything we tried today was very unique. Mm -hmm. um, it definitely has, I'm just going to call it the taste of Texas because I don't I know like how it. else to describe it because it is different than other whiskeys. Yeah, yeah. No, like, you know, I, I like people it. can... We were recently talking with a guest about how they could, you know, distinguish like their palate is trained. I believe that was Brian Nolt. Yeah, I think yes. it was. Like he's gotten to a point where he can just blindly like tell like this is a Tennessee whiskey. This is a Kentucky whiskey. I feel like Texas has its own taste. Oh, I get <laughs> Balcones can steal that right from us. Balcones, the taste of Texas. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, I do. Um, it's so good and it's different from other yeah. things that we've tried out there. Um, in in such a good and pleasant way. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasing in a yeah, just yep. it's very pleasing. I would say out of what we tried, if you're very much if you're a rye person, um, well, even you, you're more on the bourbon side of things, but you really like the rye. The yeah, rye is just you can get your hands on a bottle of ours was batch two mm -hmm. from 2021 on the back of the bottle there. If you listen and that's how you tell what batch and what year it was made. Um, that is a very, yeah, I don't know. And I'm excited to compare that with the new rye yeah. that they have coming out. Absolutely. Um, same thing, but you know, different, um, balance mm -hmm. i should say of the thing because of the mash bill yeah yep yeah we got to get our hands on that uh mm -hmm. for sure this has been a fun one it, it, you know like i said a lot of information a little taste of texas as you <laughs> said uh you got anything else to add no this is, it was fun and my whiskey is all gone mine is mine's done now <laughs> going once going Go. twice dude dude again all right Going once, going twice. Sold.